Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would turn into your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to finish up Matthew chapter 11. We're going to start in verse 20. Life is hard. Life is hard. It gets you tired. If it's not one thing, it's another. Right? Do you feel that way? We need a break. Amen. We need a rest. Jesus came to give us rest. This morning we're going to be looking at a text in which Jesus invites us. All who are weary and heavy laden. Does that sound like you? Because it sounds like me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, as Isaiah put it, come, all you who are thirsty, come, buy wine and milk without cost, without money. It's free. Jesus is satisfying. He wants to satisfy our deepest desires. He wants to give us rest. He wants to give rest for our souls. Let's go ahead and look at our text, uh, beginning of verse 20. Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? Will you be brought down to Hades? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the, de- for the land of Sodom than for you. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your invitation. We are all tired We are all in need of rest. And Lord, we 
we thank you that you invite us to come to you to find rest. To find the only thing that can truly satisfy our souls. Father, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, give me strength and grace as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, for an opening like that, this beginning kind of uh, seems to stand out. It's kind of strange for us. Um, Where we're going in this text is the idea that Jesus invites people to come to him and find rest. Yet, I think these fit together. I think they fit together. He begins uh, by denouncing the cities where his mighty works had been done because they didn't repent. They knew what Jesus had done. He, he had done most of his mighty works there. Jesus, as we've gone through the book of Matthew, we've seen how in some places he would teach and some places he, he would, and, and I, I don't mean places geographically, but places in the book, uh, he was teaching and other places we see how he is doing miracles. He has raised the dead. He had cast out demons. He had uh, healed the lame. He had healed the blind. He had healed a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. All of these great miracles. And, And the text here is telling us these cities that he's denouncing are the very place where they did. He did those miracles. You would think that in the place where Jesus was doing all of these miracles, they would recognize who he was. They would recognize the significance of it. That the Messiah had come. The blind had see. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. All of those things that he just said in the passage we looked at last week to John the Baptist. The Messiah is here. It's time for people to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All of the signs were there. And yet these cities did not repent. Jesus says in verse 21, Woe to you, Chorazin! Chorazin is a city that we only read of here and in a parallel passage in Luke. Archaeologists believe they know where it is. Uh, It's uh, off the coast of the Sea of Galilee on the north end. Um, But we don't read about it anywhere except for those two passages and also uh, one place in the Targums, I believe, one of the Jewish writings. It's an insignificant place, but apparently it's one of the places where Jesus did most of his ministry, most of his miracles. Woe to you, Bethsaida. And we read about Bethsaida and where some of the some of the miracles that he did there. It's in that same region. These are Jewish cities. Places where he came to his own people. For if the mighty works had been done in, that had been done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Tyre and Sidon were Gentile cities. They were on the coast of the Mediterranean. And 
Uh, many times the prophets in the Old Testament denounced the wickedness of Tyre and Sidon. And what Jesus here is saying is, if the miracles that you've seen me perform in your midst, if they had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have responded. They would have repented. They would have received what I came for. But you, Bethsaida, you, Chorazin, I've done all these miracles right in front of you. You should have seen it. And yet, they didn't repent. He says those cities would have repented a long time ago in sackcloth and ashes. Sackcloth and ashes pointed to the fact that these people, when they, when they would have uh, uh, mourned, they would have covered themselves in sackcloth and ashes as a sign of, of repenting from their individual sins, of sorrow. Even the people of Tyre and Sidon would have repented, yet these Jewish cities did not. Jesus says, But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. That's a scary thought. These cities that had been condemned in the Old Testament, these cities who were, who, were, uh, who were railed against by the prophets, these Gentile cities, Jesus is telling these Jewish cities that He had been in their midst and He'd done these miracles, it's going to be more tolerable for them than for you. Before I fully explain this, I want to go on to the next part because He's making the same point here. And you, Capernaum, Ooh, Capernaum. Capernaum was there also along the north end of the Sea of Galilee. Capernaum was even called his own city, Jesus' own city. He had set up residence there during his ministry. Now, he was itinerant. He went all over the place, but he had a home there. Jesus went, uh, he's saying there to Capernaum, this place where he was, where he had done many miracles. And taught in their midst. You, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? He's expecting a no. He says instead, you will be brought down to Hades. He's saying, are you going up? No, you're going down. You'll be going down to Hades. For if the mighty works done that have been done in you had been done in Sodom, Sodom, this city that we read about in Genesis, Sodom and Gomorrah, these two cities on the coast of the Dead Sea where uh, God told Moses, I'm going to go and I'm going to destroy these cities because their wickedness has come up to me. Abraham, remember the story, Abraham pleaded because he knew his, his nephew Lot was there in Sodom and he pleaded, would you destroy the city if there's just 50 righteous people? And God says, yes, I'll, 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 I'll um, relent. I won't destroy the city for the sake of 50 righteous people. How about 40? 
God says, no, I, I won't destroy the city for 40 righteous people. 20? And Abraham bargains God down and down and down. There was no one righteous in Sodom. It was a wicked place. The angels went there to Sodom just to rescue Lot, Abraham's nephew. And when they got there, Lot showed hospitality. He brought him into their home. But men of the city realized that these two strangers were there and they banged on Lot's door and asked him to put those men out in, outside so that they might know them. They wanted to rape these angels. Wicked, wicked city. And yet, Jesus here is saying that Capernaum, the city that he had a home in, the city that he had done miracles in and taught in, it's going to be more tolerable on the day of judgment for Sodom than for Capernaum. What can the point be that he's making? With knowledge comes responsibility. With knowledge comes a greater judgment. James says, not many of you should be teachers because we know that teachers bear a greater judgment. Jesus had done these miracles and, and everyone there should have known the signs and yet they rejected Him. Tyre and Sidon, didn't, they didn't have the benefit of Jesus being there in their midst. Sodom didn't have the benefit of Jesus, the Messiah, coming and doing miracles in their midst. Yet, Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum all had the Messiah there. God in the flesh dwelling in their midst. He did miracles. He taught. And yet they did not repent. There is more guilt on those who know than on those who don't know. So maybe we have grown up in church all our lives. If we don't repent, we're just more guilty. And we'll bear a worse judgment on the day of judgment if we know it all than those who've never heard in the first place. Maybe we've even taught a Sunday school class. With more knowledge comes a greater judgment. Maybe even preached Yet here Jesus is saying those with more knowledge have a greater judgment than even those who have never heard. Now this raises a question. Well, if that's the case, then are people in far off distant lands who've never heard the gospel better off if we just don't go? You, you get the logic there? If they've never heard, and then we go tell them, and they reject it, then they're worse off than they were before. This is not a new objection. It's been dealt with before. The logic of that would be that we don't even tell our children. 
that we wouldn't raise our children to follow Jesus. The logic of that would be that we close down every missionary agency there is. The logic of that would be that we don't even preach the gospel anymore. We shut our mouths and we don't say a word because people are better off if we don't tell them. Now, that's not the case. No, there's only one way we can be saved, and that is through the knowledge of Jesus explicitly that we trust in Him. We have to go and we proclaim the gospel to everyone of every nation. We need to go to those distant lands because if they don't hear about Jesus, they are dead in their sins and they will die perishing without a hope in this world. And yet, we here in these chairs, no longer pews, if we know the Gospel, if we know what God requires because we have His words and we don't repent, we're worse off than them on the Day of Judgment. Jesus changes gears. In verse 25, Jesus offers a prayer. And He says, At that time Jesus declared, I thank You, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that You have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was Your gracious will. It pleased God to reveal these things to little children, to those who receive the gospel with the trust of a childlike faith. Jesus here is praising God for something we think is very, very strange. Really? Jesus is thanking God that He's hidden these things? He's hidden? That strikes us as odd, doesn't it? But I think what Jesus here is saying to us, what we should get from this is it doesn't depend on being the smartest. It doesn't depend on being sophisticated. It doesn't depend on having a high education or anything like that. No, Jesus offers Himself to the lowly, to those who receive Him as a child. It's not those who try to find Him in some kind of a meditation and some kind of a philosophical quest. Those, it's, not, it's not the ones who are the wise and learned. If that were the case, probably none of us would make it. But He's revealed these things to the simple, to those who have a childlike faith. That means it's not beyond our reach. We just have to be like little children. He says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Catch that last part. 
No one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. There are two equally true statements here. We're going to get to the second one in a minute. But one is if you're saved, God chose you. That, that should not be the cause of some speculation where we're just trying to figure out, well, who did God choose? And, and did God really choose? That's not the, what this is meant for. This is actually meant for encouragement for those of us who have believed. If we believe, we know that God has chosen to do it. He hasn't done it on accident. He hasn't done it on a whim. He planned from the... Before the foundation of the world, I'm going to get that one that I choose to save. And I know that my security in Jesus doesn't depend on my whims and my will, but it depends upon God's mercy in choosing me. That is an encouraging thing to think of for a believer. God chose me of all people. I didn't deserve it. But He was gracious when I was wandering in my sin. He chose me. Equally true with the fact that God chose whoever He saves is what he follows this up with. Come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The invitation is open to anyone. The invitation is open to anyone who feels their need, who is tired and who is broken and needs Jesus. It's Charles Spurgeon, great Baptist preacher of the 1800s. He said, at the door of heaven, on the inside, on the inside of heaven, at the, at the big gate, there'll be, a, there'll be a sign that says, the elect of God. And on the other side of the sign, it says, Whoever, whosoever will may come. And this is a text that I see that very same thing. The only ones who can know the Father are the ones who Jesus chooses, but at the same time, whosoever will may come. Come, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Those two things aren't in conflict with one another. They are one and the same. Two sides of the same coin. Are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Do you labor? Do you need rest? I've got good news. Jesus is for you. Are you laboring and striving to make yourself better? To try to make yourself acceptable to God? Put down all your labors because His invitation is open. It's free. Come to Me, you who labor. We are not saved by trying to clean ourselves up and make ourselves better. We are saved by trusting in Him, by looking to Him. And we look at the cross with Jesus there and we think, oh my, oh my, He did that for me. He did that for me. Amen. 
Come, all who are weary and heavy laden, and He will give you rest. Then He, he, he follows this with something that seems a little bit strange too. Here He's saying, I will give you rest. And then He says, take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Take a yoke. What's a yoke? Some of you know, but I'm going to go ahead and explain it. A yoke would be this device that you put on the neck of two oxen. You put them together and they would pull a plow together. So he's inviting us to find rest in him. And at the same time, he's saying, take my yoke upon you. Well, isn't that work? But we got to remember this. This is Jesus yoke. This is Jesus' yoke. So when we stick our head in that yoke, when we take His yoke upon Him, we got to remember He's in the other side. <laughs> He's in the other side of the yoke and He will carry us. He carries all the weight. He will be there to carry us through all of the labor and the, and the, <coughs> the trials of life. He says, take my yoke upon me and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart. He is gentle and lowly in heart. Sometimes when we struggle, when we fail, we can be afraid to come to God with our sins and our struggles and our failures. But Jesus here tells us He is gentle and lowly of heart. And He loves it. He desires it when we come to Him. When we give those things to Him. He is gentle. He will not turn us away. He will not say, do better first. No. He is gentle and lowly of heart. When we come to Him with our weaknesses, He will receive us. Finally, he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I've been a Christian for several years. And the last thing I've used to describe the Christian life is to say it's easy. It's not easy. But he's with us. He's with us. He carries the yoke that He invites us into. So, all this to say, one, come. Come to Jesus. He invites us openly. Come to Him and we will find rest for our souls. Come to Him. And the other point that we need to remember is there is a consequence for hearing the invitation. For hearing the good news of Jesus and continuing to reject it and reject it and reject it. What He says there to those cities can apply to those who have heard the Gospel and don't receive it. 
I don't want to put pressure. I don't want to manipulate anyone. But the truth is here. If you've heard this, if you're contemplating trusting in Jesus, don't delay. The consequences are grave for turning Him away. And the reward is rest. You will find peace with God. You will be adopted into His family. You can be called a child of God. There is forgiveness of sin. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.